Hello and welcome to the Real Estate Nerds Podcast. On this Best Deal episode, we will explore the human side of real estate investing with a seasoned pro about the legendary best deal of their life. A deal isn't just the investment, it is also the person executing it. Stay with us and learn what it takes to be the best investor possible. Hi, and welcome to the Real Estate Nerds Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Royal Smith, the owner of Royal Legal Solutions, your one-stop shop for everything real estate investors need, including tax, business, asset protection, legal, you name it, we do it um, at Royal Legal Solutions. We are your fullback end. So I'm here with Shane today. Uh, we're going to be sharing um, a pretty uh, cool story from what Shane's told me about so far. Uh, it's going to get down and dirty, a little bit of meaty um, in here. So um, Shane, so for everybody that doesn't know you, um, what, uh, what do they need to know about you, Shane, to kind of set the stage for, um, the story you're going to be sharing today? Yeah, absolutely. Scott, thanks for having me and I uh, look forward to, uh, to sharing the story with the audience. So, um, I'm Shane Connor, Red Rock Capital Group. And, uh, in relation kind of to today's story, you know, I started, um, as a limited partner investor in the syndication space, uh, a couple of years ago, uh, today I'm actually more on the kind of capital raising and syndication, uh, ac- active side of the deals. Um, but still do some LP activity as well and uh, always like to relate uh, to both sides of the fence. So I, I think I have a good story here. That's awesome, uh, Shane. So um, when you're talking about this story, are we talking about a best deal or a worst deal today? Uh, fortunately, it'd be, the, it'd, it'd be the best deal so far. Oh, awesome. Okay, good. Well, always nice to have these uh, come into play. So t- walk us through it. Like, what does this deal look like? You know, or, or tell me actually, like, what's going on um, before you get into this deal? Yeah. What's going? What does life look like? What does business look like? So it's really interesting because um, you know, ironically, it's the best deal, and it was also my very first deal. Um, so fortunately, I I started off with a very good one. So before you know, I even how I got into really this business uh, to begin with, um, a lot of people maybe that are listening could relate. You know, I was a, a busy sales professional. Um, you know, working a very demanding uh, staffing and recruiting job um, where I was uh, managing a couple offices. Long story short, I had upside, uh, no, no cap on my commission. So I was having a really good uh, few years and I was looking for somewhere to invest outside of my stocks, 401k, you know, mutual funds, et cetera. After, you know, a lot of research, bigger pockets, et cetera, um, you know, ended up learning a lot about the syndication space and got in touch with somebody who was uh, putting together a deal out in Dallas, uh, was supposed to be a 300 plus unit, you know, value add uh, class B opportunity. And so that's kind of what led me into syndication space and ultimately what was this first deal. Very cool, man. Well, when you, when you started getting this deal, like when was your first inclination that, Hey, this is going to be a great deal that I should pursue. So, you know, that's, that's kind of the interesting because you don't know what you don't know. So obviously looking back on it, um, I really didn't know much. Um, I did a lot of my own research. Most of, you know, I understood the numbers as kind of a finance guy. My background is finance undergrad. So, you know, the actual underwriting and things like that made sense. Uh, I was more trying to wrap my head around, you know, investing in a, a, a structure I've never seen and with essentially people I've never met. You know, the, those two things I think are, are definitely a big hurdle for first time passive investors. It's, um, you know, kind of like, okay, you just, 
you put 25 or 50 grand in with a couple of people you met on the internet, right? That's probably what your parents might say, or definitely what my dad said. Um, so I did a lot of time researching uh, the team that I could find you know, information on, um, any references that might've been available, other people that have invested in the deal. So I guess going into it, I, there wasn't as much, you know, the deal made sense to me. It wasn't that complicated. It was more me wrapping my head around just this type of investing. And what made it difficult um, when you were considering that type of investing to, to get the familiarity with it, to, to know that that's what you wanted to do? Yeah, I, I think, you know, at the end of the day, you, there's, you can do all the research and, you know, you're not finding anything very bad. You're all, you might not be finding anything very good when you search around, right? Um, it's just kind of still an unknown and, and there's a trust factor there. And I, I trust basically the syndicator uh, who was bringing me into the deal. I, I built enough for at least initial report there. And um, that's something I take very seriously now when I'm talking to, to passive first time investors is, is building that kind of trust and credibility. Cause I remember what it was like uh, to kind of have that unknown, but at the end of the day, you can't win on the sideline. So you have to feel comfortable that you've done, your, your, your research up to your comfort level. And then ultimately you, you got to pull the trigger. And when you're pull, looking to pull the trigger on that, and a lot of it's based around trust, um, how do you weigh, you know, the, the personal relationship and the emotional side with like the intellectual um, and analytical side of when you're looking at a deal? Yeah, I think, you know, I, I think it's so different for each person, right? I mean, you know, I've got uh, physician investors that are, you know, are very analytical minded and they'll spend majority of their time on that side of it. And I'll feel like sometimes a smaller part on the, on the relationship piece. And then uh, you've got other people who are maybe more like me that, you know, uh, not that I'm not analyzing the deal. Um, you know, I, I'm definitely taking that part serious, but the relationship side of it, the trust side of it, the gut, you know, just that gut feeling, um, I personally weigh a lot more on that. And I, I know other investors do as well. So again, it, it's no rhyme, you know, right or wrong way for each investor. I just think each person's going to have their own way of looking at it. Oh, cool, man. And, and when you see like uh, these types of, like these types of best deals, is there like a formula that you would say that like makes up that this is what makes like a deal that's like this, like good time and time again? Well, you know, I think the reason I, I kind of highlighted this one was because ultimately, you know, so it was a value add opportunity and they ended up, you know, in 15 months executing on the value add and refinancing the debt. So there was a, a monthly preferred distribution. And then in 15 months, there was a refinance on the property and there was a 40% return of capital. So within 15 months of investing, uh, essentially 50% of that, you know, principal was already back in my account. So, you know, I think just knowing ahead of time, you know, what the timeline looks like, you know, for a potential refinance, how heavy of a lift is the value add, you know, how reasonably quickly can that be done? All of those things, you know, were pretty evident there. And I had a good, you know, again, not knowing what I didn't know, because it was my first deal, but I had a good understanding of that. Okay. A lot of this money should be coming back to me, you know, probably in the first 24 or so months. Luckily for me, it was a little bit sooner. You know, when you first get into the deals and after you um, sign, what are like the telltale signs for you that like you've made a good decision? Like, is it like the responsiveness of the deal makers or is it the community of people that you're involved with? What are like your highlights to say like, oh, okay, this actually looks like this is going to be a great deal. 
Yeah, I think it's I think it's a combination of a lot of those things. I think for me, communication is is big. Um, really, was when I was you know starting out as an as an LP, uh, and then it's something I put a lot of importance on now when I'm communicating back to my investors, because um, you don't want to feel like all the, you know, all the talk was on the front, and then once you know you signed, people got your check, then they don't need you anymore, right? So I think having that communication around, you know. Okay, we closed on this date. Okay, we're starting the renovations on this date. Here's some pictures. Here's what's going. On. I I like to over communicate, and I like, you know, operators and sponsors that kind of go that route. Um, and then you know, I think just really watching, it going back to the original timeline and watching the timeline um, unfold. How how close is it? Because there's always you know in any kind of construction, even if it's light value add, there's delays, there's shipping, there's different things. But are we you know a couple of weeks off or are we months off of executing the plan. I think that tells you a lot. Okay. And, and when you're, when you're going through that route, like what is the preferred timeline? Are you usually doing like a weekly newsletter with your people to uh, be able to just tell them like, here's the updates of what you need to go on so they can feel like they're included or what do you do? So, monthly or what, do, you what, do? so what, you know, what I do is, is typically do, um, you know, the monthly rollout uh, of the project updates, photos, uh, financials are usually provided more on a quarterly basis. But what I tell my individual investors that I'm bringing into opportunities is, you know, you've got my phone, text, call, email, any day. If you're just curious about what's going on, hey, what's happening at the site? What is the current uh, level of activity? And I can get that information on a one-off basis. Because again, back to my example of different, you know, investors, I've got some investors like busy physicians that, yeah, hey, as long as the distribution's there, I don't really care what's going on. And I've got others that are maybe more wanting to get into the space themselves uh, or just really interested. And they like to know on a, a more consistent basis kind of things happening at the ground level. So I, I try to tailor the experience to each investor if I can. Okay. Um, where do you see that people will like do it wrong with how they work with their investors and that would say like, hey, that's some... Um, like they're really not given the type of connection and relationship that they should be. And if they did these things differently, this is how they would improve it. Uh, you know, that's a good question. I mean, uh, I can't, I guess I can't speak from too much direct experience because, you know, even on when I was on the passive side, I, I, I worked with some good people, but I think what else, what I would say is maybe um, I think sometimes people forget what it's like to be on the other side of the fence and, and that's why I really encourage anybody who has aspirations to get more on the active side of this business to, to do a couple deals as an LP. So once you're actually raising equity and, and putting deals together, you, you understand kind of the mindset that they're going through. I think, um, you know, sometimes people might forget just some of the, the, the scariness that a, an investor might be going through or the, you know, uh, access to liquidity and, and just different things that sometimes we forget as we get further on in this business that uh, are, are common hurdles for, for investors when they're first, first getting started. Ah, very cool. So, so it sounds like, you know, you got a great deal here. You know, it's a great deal because you're seeing the distributions, you're seeing that the money's going to come back to you here relatively soon um, in terms of uh, a full timeline of the investment. Um, you know, yeah, what, when do you look at like repeating that? Like, you know, after you get through one deal, is there a way that you typically look at like well, when, when you're going to get back into another deal with that same person? So uh, to, you know, basically, you know, close the circle on again, why this was such a great opportunity is because, 
you know, I talk a lot to investors about kind of snowballing your cash flow and how you can really start small in, in investing, whether active or passive, and really grow that snowball into a much larger portfolio. So when that 15-month uh, timeframe came up and there was a 40% return of principal, I essentially then only needed to take a smaller amount of, oh, let's call it new capital, out of a savings account or wherever I had it to meet the minimum on another deal that was on my desk. So I essentially was able to put money, 25,000 into a, a syndication opportunity, earn monthly distributions, 15 months later, get a 40% return of capital. And I had another deal on my desk that I only now needed maybe half to take out of another account. And I was able to enter my second LP opportunity. So you can really see how it can start to build and then, you know, 15 months later and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. How much capital do you think people really should be having before they start to look to get into their first um, deal? Like what's the full capital stack and what's the commitment into the first deal that you would recommend? Yeah. So most deals, I mean, most deals you're going to see 50,000 minimum. Um, you know, we still have some opportunity um, here and there for $25,000 minimums. Um, you know, I personally, um, you know, deferred uh, buying a house. So my, you know, I knew that I was going to get married and my wife, you know, that was really important to us kind of, you know, putting some anchors in, but I committed to doing two separate syndications and then re getting together some down payment money. So I, I don't think that, you know, anybody should be putting in 25 or 50,000 if that's most of their, you know, liquid capital or most of their nest egg money, so to speak. I think, uh, diversification is key and that looks different for each person, but um, you should definitely not, not feel too bad about uh, signing that check over um, knowing that it's going to come back because you've got other investments and other access to capital. Because as you know, people, you know, these are very illiquid, you know, it's a three to five year project. You have to be okay with not having that capital for five years. If that's how long the project takes. So, so are you typically looking for like investors that come in to it um, that it's like, say, Hey, you know, you should have, uh, are, are you pretty bullish on saying like, Hey, you know, really, really just have cash and have real estate. Or are you typically looking at it with people and saying like, uh, you know, maybe it's smart to have, you know, you want some cash, you want some gold, you want some real estate, you want some stocks, you want some index funds and having like a big blend. You were talking about diversification. So I was trying to get an idea of what you mean by that. Yeah, I mean, um, I, I personally do believe in still a pretty balanced, um, you know, portfolio. I, I still keep money in, in, in the general markets, um, in stocks and bonds. You know, I've got a, a fairly diver, uh, growing base of uh, syndication opportunities. Um, I do a little bit of foreign currency trading. So I, I don't, you know, each, again, each, each person I know, some people that have just put all their money into syn, uh, syndication in real estate. And I know some people that still, don't want anything to do with real estate. So I think it's, again, it's a personal preference, but I do think, um, you know, for myself, I like to talk to investors about what is really the goal here? I mean, is it paying for your child's college? Is it just growing your retirement nest egg? Is it, um, are you really looking to do something with this in the near term? So uh, based on their, their response, I'll kind of guide them through what I think might be the best opportunity if this is a good fit for them, or, or maybe it'll be a good fit in a few years, depending on their situation. I mean, everything has to be a fit, you know, timing, deal, market, team, all of that. And it's it's just not a good idea to, to kind of push anybody if, if you're getting the sense that might not be the best route for them at that time. 
Very cool, man. So when you're looking with uh, new people coming into, you know, your group and you're making new connections, like who are the types of people that you're, you know, looking to expand your, your network into to help you with your goals? Uh, and from an investor standpoint or? Yeah. Well, investor yeah. or otherwise, you know, like how does Shane get to the next level with what he wants to do with his business or where he's going into next? Yeah. So, I mean, um, with, with regards to, you know, investors, uh, I kind of run the gamut. I have, um, you know, I mentioned physician a few times. I come from the healthcare world. Um, so I've, I spent eight years in the healthcare staffing business, have a lot of physician clients, um, but salespeople, business owners, um, you know, a lot of retirement accounts, which I know uh, a lot of people are doing. And then also looking to operate uh, network with other operators, you know, not in multifamily, but, um, you know, self-storage, do some of that asset class. I'm a partner in a senior living operations company. So um, looking, you know, to talk to people about that asset classes, you know, those demographics really take off over the next 10 years. So I just really enjoy talking about the business, networking with like-minded, you know, professionals and investors alike, uh, and, and always happy to hop on a phone call. That's super cool, Shane. Where do people find out more information about you and how to, how to work with you and, and some of the great things that you've been talking about here today? Yeah. So my website is just simply www.redrockcapitalgroup.com. Um, you can grab a free ebook there on the, on the landing page. Uh, my email is just shane at redrockcapitalgroup.com. I'm very active on LinkedIn, um, Facebook as well. Very cool, man. Well, I want to say thank you so much for coming on the show um, here today, Shane. And um, usually I like to wrap up with like a lesson learned, you know, from uh, today. And one of the things that, um, that I learned from our, our, our time here today uh, was just the importance of uh, just being methodical with the approach, you know, to really make sure that you're really taking the time to really think through um, the, the deals that you're working on and to be cognizant of, you know, what is a great deal going to look like if it does happen, you know, with your, with this particular situation, you're talking about, Hey, I'm going to get my money back. It's going to come back to me pretty soon. Uh, when it comes back to me soon, I'm going to know that I'm going to be able to fold that into more deals and then be able to have this, you know, escalating uh, sense of uh, economic growth um, uh, with, with the investments. Um, what, if you were going to leave the listeners with a, a, a final statement of, of a lesson learned from our talk here today, what would that be? Yeah. You know, I love that. Um, Scott about being methodical. I think, you know, what I'll do is I'll, I'll put a caveat onto that is, is once you've done that, then also, you know, learn how to get out of your own way. You know, one, once you've come to that conclusion that it is a good opportunity and that you're in the right place for it, um, you know, make sure that you jump on an opportunity when, when it's ready. Cause you know, a lot of these opportunities do move quick. And so that's why I always recommend, to talk about a deal when you're not ready to invest, you know, educate yourself when you're not really ready so that you do get prepared and then you can start to talk to people and say, Hey, okay, when your next deal comes along, I'm ready. And once I look at the specifics, I can hit the check mark pretty quick and, and I'll put my reservation in. Cause you know, I see that happen all the time. People are saying, Oh, uh, I think I'm ready, but it's already filled up. So be methodical, do it when the time's right, but then be ready to move. Yeah, and and just to underscore that as like a parallel to another piece, like uh, we have a a big training that I just went through uh, personally with uh, some phenomenal guys that are just killing it at the top of like how do you how do you recruit how do you get the very best people to work in your company you know um, at Royal Legal you know we've had you know tremendous amounts of growth here in the last three years and that's become like a a thing for me it's like okay gosh you know like we 
you know, how do we get the absolute best possible people? The people I have are great, right? Yep. Um, but you, you, there's always a, a thing about like, you know, well, when we're expanding into new opportunities, you know, who, who's gonna be somebody that can fill that new opportunity? Um, and then with, even in, in, in all the, the highest level of people that I've been able to find in the business world, it was always preparing when you're not ready to act, yep. you know? Always and, be interviewing, always, always be, be talking to people. Yep. Always be recruiting, you know, and it didn't matter like what it was, you know, and I was like, wow, this is really true from an investing standpoint, from a financial standpoint, is the time to put in the hard work is not when the emergency is there. No. Nope. Hey, man, I, I spent eight years in the staffing recruiting business, and that's what we talk to our clients about all the time was, you know, you, you, we would get to a good sense on what different times of the year they would need to hire or key positions. And we would just always be scouting for good passive, you know, candidates that might be working at a competitor or, you know, just somewhere else, because if the job is vacant, you know, that's not really the time you want to be talking to people. It's when it's three, six months out. I just want to be talking to the best talent there is. And so I think that's a good strategy for you. Yeah, no, you know, I think that's a great strategy, you know, and I'm glad to hear you underscore that as saying that, hey, you know, we're, you know, I'm thinking in the right direction. We're thinking as totally. a company in the right direction. And I, uh, it's just, it's neat to, um, for, I mean, I just like geeking out on that saying like, oh, well, these are actually fundamental precepts of how we should be operating. It's not like that's the way you do recruiting. That's the way you would do everything. You should be doing yep. your investing that way, your financial planning, your vacations, your time with your family, your time with like the time to prepare is not when it's like, oh shit, it's Thursday night and I got to come up with a date nope. night on Friday. You no. know, it's like, no, yep. no, do it way ahead of time. Give yourself you, time with it. Do the homework in the background and you'll be ready to strike opportunity, whatever that means in your life. Yeah. Well, in a dating context, Shane, that turns into be a little bit different, you know? <laughs> yeah. That's what exactly. that's going to be. Probably equally as important, right? That's right. That's right. That'd be good, man. Well, thanks brother for coming on the show um, here today. That's uh, Red Rock. That was a blast, man. Yeah, and uh, we can uh, go. We'll uh, we'll have to do it again sometime here. You know, we Absolutely. Can dive into some of these pieces, you know. And I'd congrats love to, on your success. Uh, yeah, thanks, man. Uh, we're just working hard every day, you know, to try to uh, to try to help people. And um, I think as long as we stay committed to those goals, then um, then we're going to have a great company. So I'm looking forward to it. So I love but, it. Uh, we'll be we'll be in touch here, uh, Shane. Thanks everybody for tuning into the Real Estate Nerds Podcast. I'm your host Scott Royal Smith, the owner of Royal Legal Solutions, your one-stop shop for everything real estate investors need. Um, if you're working with Shane, you're a physician. You are the person that uh, we help um, extremely uh, uh, with every part of your life because we're able to uh, outs you're able to outsource everything to us, everything from your taxes to your asset protection to how to own your assets anonymously uh, to uh, to how to have tax savings that goes along with uh, with your investing um, syndication or holding hard assets or otherwise. We help clients all over the country. Um, so no matter who, who you are, what you're doing, I can guarantee you that uh, we are the company that's going to be able to help you take you to the next level. So thank you guys so much for tuning in. Um, grab more information about us at royallegalsolutions.com and our top 10 things you need to know to protect your assets. Um, generally applies to real estate investors, uh, business owners, physicians, et cetera. So thanks guys. Thanks Shane. Have a great, uh, have thanks, a great week. Be in touch soon. That's all for this best deal episode. And I'm your host, Scott Royal Smith with the real estate nerds podcast. When investments go good, they can go great. Your legendary best deal could be your next one. So keep at it. Thank you for joining us. And if you enjoyed the show, leave a review to help clue in those sleeping masses for what they need to know and what we all need reminders of. Do your good deed for the day, and I'll see you again soon.